Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the grace that you give. Lord, even when we make rookie mistakes, Lord, that you still work often in spite of us. As we gather around your word this day, we would ask that you break it small, fit for our consumption. In your name we pray. Amen. I had just started serving with a congregation in Colorado. I had been around them, had had our kids in the school, and they had loved on our family like crazy. And then I got to be their pastor for a little while in the transition between when they were calling a pastor and waiting for him to arrive. And one of the elders that would come up and assist with communion had a way where he would try and inject humor when it was just him and I up at the altar together. And as he was serving communion, he looked up and he did one of these as he said, may the grace of God. And without thinking, I looked back and I said, and live long and prosper. (laughs) Rookie mistakes. We all make them. I would invite you this morning to turn to our gospel text from the ninth chapter of Mark. A little context as we pick up today because we've kind of jumped ahead a little bit from where we were the past few weeks. By this point... Jesus has taken Peter, James, and John up to the top of a very high mountain and they have witnessed his transfiguration. They have seen him shine in all the glory of heaven and then he promises or makes them promise to not say a word about it to anybody. And so they come back down from the mountain and they head back into the villages around Caesarea Philippi, and there is this scene transpiring. There is a conflict that has arisen, and the rest of the disciples are right in the middle of it. And they're there arguing with the scribes. And so Jesus comes and he says, what are you even arguing about? And before they can answer, a man from the crowd pipes up and begins to explain that he had brought his demon-oppressed child to the disciples to cast out this demon, and they couldn't do it. Last week, we began a new message series on offsides. And we talked about the way that as we stand on the offensive line of faith, the devil stands with his army opposing us, 
trying to draw us across the line and bring us off sides. He's constantly trying to trip us up and draw the foul and cause offense. And that is exactly what we see happening today in our gospel text where here the disciples have already been given the authority by Jesus to preach and cast out demons in Mark chapter 3. And now, when this man brings his child, seeking Jesus, the disciples are there in his stead, and they are unable to do what they had already been doing in other places. Knowing what we don't know helps us know better. Having authority to preach and cast out demons doesn't exempt from still experiencing a little forced humility. At the end of our reading today, They enter into the house and they privately ask Jesus, why couldn't we do it? Why didn't it work this time? They had said the right words. They had followed the directions that Jesus had given, and yet nothing they did worked. The devil's attacks aren't original. He uses the same tactics every single time. He uses image. He uses sex. He uses doubt. He uses fear. Every single time. The tactics don't change. But sometimes we forget that he doesn't play by the same rules that we do. God's rules, his laws keep us safe and away from taking risks that place us in spiritual precarity. He keeps us on the offensive side of the ball, while the devil, on the other hand, has made his home in the defense. And his entire aim is to prevent us from getting all the way into the end zone. I am constantly convinced that life and ministry are so complicated that it constantly reminds us of how little we actually know. I think this is the whole summation of parenting, right? You think you have it figured out, and then something happens, and you're like, I I don't even know what to do with that. And you're back to square one. The challenge 
isn't actually recognizing what we don't know and admitting that we don't know it all. You see, as Christians, sometimes we like to give responses for things and we step beyond what we actually know and we begin to place words in God's mouth. When sometimes the best response is an admission of the unknown with a commitment to find the answer together. We make rookie mistakes when we operate with a false sense of confidence. Saying we're all sinners doesn't necessarily mean that we recognize the way that the influence and impact of anyone else's sin affects their life. All sin is equal in the sight of God, but the way that we experience and suffer the brokenness from sin does not give me the right to say, yeah, you know what, I've been there, I've done that, buck up, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, and you can move past it. It doesn't work that way. God made us each different. We don't have the automatic authority to assume that we understand. And we have to actually work to gain a hearing first. So we stick this to the simplicity of what we know. Right? It's very basic. And Paul sums this up well in Romans when he says, For while we were still sinners... Christ died for the ungodly. That's it. Plain and simple, that is the grace of God poured out on a broken world. Even though God's law keeps us in bounds and on sides, no one is ever saved by the law. We are saved by the gospel that heals the sin-sick soul in spite of whatever that ailment looks like. But we have a habit of sometimes ignoring the play that's called. We begin to doubt God when we feel like Faithfulness has become a futile endeavor. When we were in St. Louis, I met with a man who was serving on the north side of St. Louis City in a zip code that had the highest violent crime rate of any other in the city. And we said, well, what are the challenges in ministry here? And he went, look around. And he said, do you have any idea how hard it is to convince a youth the benefit and the worth and value of actually working for a living? When he watches his single mom 
worked three jobs to struggle to put food on the table and make ends meet, while the guy standing on the street corner slinging drugs and all kinds of other nefarious activities has the newest shoes, the nicest jacket, a wad of cash in his pocket, and a car parked down the block. And faithfulness feels like a futile endeavor. This hurting father brings his child to Jesus and he says, fix him. If you can do something, have compassion and help us. And Jesus responds and says, if, if I can do anything, as if to say, do you have any idea who you're talking to? I was there when the oceans were given limits. I was there when the foundations of the earth were laid. I was there when the first trees sprouted up from the earth. If, if you can help, And then he says, anything is possible for the one who believes. The boy's father has just begged him. And Jesus calls out his doubt and says, if, don't you know who I am? Now say it with me, watch this. And he commands the demon to come forth from the child. And the child looks as though he is a corpse. And the reading today says that everybody else around looked and said, Up, he killed him. He's dead. And Jesus reaches, takes him by the hand, and lifts him up, and he rises. Right, just as a total tangent, side note, shameless plug for baptism here, that's exactly what happens in baptism. Right? Do you renounce the devil and all his works and all his ways? I do renounce them. Drown the old Adam in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the demon is cast out. And actually Jesus says, as this demon is cast out, he commands him and he says, never enter him again. Right? The house has been swept clean. And it's not quoting poltergeist, that's quoting Jesus. Right? The house has been swept clean and is now an indwelling for the Holy Spirit. See, the rookie mistakes his hubris for experience. In almost every 
tragic hero's character, the flaw is always hubris. This sense of arrogance where he is invincible. Right, Icarus? The guy with wings flies too close to the sun and the wax melt and then he dies and drowns in the ocean? Hubris. See, the rookie mistakes his hubris for arrogance and the veteran sees that his experience keeps him humble. You see, an addict living in recovery will always respond to folks in addiction differently than someone who has never experienced addiction. Right? They've walked that line. And they know how hard it is to keep it. And how it's not just as easy as saying, well, if they don't want to be on drugs, then they'll stop taking them. No! They're broken! Or they got to be put back together before they can be a part of the rest of this. Well, guess what? That's what this is. Perspective makes a huge difference. You see, the God with authority over all of creation is always near his creatures. God's presence with his people is invested and intimate in our lives. He doesn't stand off in the distance and say, hey, y'all, I hope it works out. Instead, he sends his son in the flesh to live and to dwell among us to be present for a hurting father that brings his child to him and says, if you can do something. One of my favorite Super Bowl commercials of all time was a United Healthcare commercial where there's a couple standing in their kitchen and all of a sudden the song from Dirty Dancing comes on and they both start dancing across the room and he starts calling her over and she's saying no, no, no. And he finally goes and he brushes it off and he turns around just in time where he goes to catch her, right? Have you seen this one? He goes to catch her and he falls backwards and smashes the table. And then the next scene is them sitting in front of a computer with a doctor on the other side going, so what happened? She says, I came in too hot. See, God doesn't work like a teledoc service. We don't just call him when he's needed. He is present every day, day in and day out, for the good, the bad, and the ugly, and everything in between. This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. They say, why couldn't we do it? And he says, this kind can't be driven out by anything but prayer. In other words, I got this. See, when we pray, we lay all of those things at the foot of the cross, all of those things that we struggle with, our praises, our thanksgiving, our prayers of petition and request, 
We lay it all before the king, and he says, I got this. Some things, and arguably most things, are out of our hands, and we rely on God. So that he always gets the glory, now and forevermore. Amen.